Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. If you weren't here, that was an incredible evening, and, and I just tell you, 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 you've got to experience that. Thanks to Amy and her team who put it all together. Uh, that's an incredible thing. Um, and then uh, thanks to Mark and the staff that got everything back in place. I got to tell you, uh, that, that was a huge task. Uh, of, of, uh, you don't realize how much there was to clean up. Every one of these chairs was moved, and uh, it takes a long time. And uh, uh, Jonathan brought a lot of college students over, and we got it done in, in record time. And it was a strange year because I wasn't able to do anything. I still got staples in my back, and that's why I'm sitting again today. And so I'm not supposed to lift anything up. And so, you know, I, it, it was a hard night for me because I wanted to help, but I couldn't. So, you know, this, so the, the way it works sometimes. So I, I'm so appreciative. Uh, your guys' giving makes all of this possible. And uh, so, you know, th- this is a way that we show love to our community. So we're in the Song of Solomon. I hope you remembered that. And uh, we're studying the Song of Solomon. I want to remind you of two things as we begin. Uh, first one we find in Genesis 2.24. And, and it reminds us there, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. At Northridge, we believe that marriage is between a man and a woman. Uh, we believe that, that that is the way God designed it. And anytime you do anything different than that, you're going to get less than the best. Uh, the, the second one is from Joel, the second chapter, verse 25. And uh, the Lord is saying to the people of Israel, they had messed up and the locust had come. And this is what he says, I'll repay you for the years the locust have eaten. Uh, interesting thing, I would tell you, what God does is he, he offers us uh, forgiveness. He offers to restore us when, we may, when we've made mistakes. So uh, that is an incredible verse. And if you need to claim that for your life, I hope you will, because uh, uh, God can restore. You can reclaim your holiness there. So uh, uh, let's do a quick review from last week. I think it's important to do that. The, the first thing is, uh, I remind you in, in what the Song of Solomon, don't focus on the external, but look to the internal character. Uh, that, that, that's key. That, that's really important. Number two, Passion is a bad foundation for marriage. What we understand is this, is that, that passion fades, but love will deepen. And, and, and I like this picture. It kind of gives us an idea. When fire isn't kept in the right place in the chimney, when your passion isn't in the right place in God's plan, it can burn the house down and bring you so many problems. And so uh, you, you want to have passion. You want to have that sex in the right place because anything else will burn the house down. And, and then one more, and this is a number three in the review, deal with the foxes that destroy marriages. Uh, debt is one of them. Uh, uh, premarital sex will have r- r- all sorts of problems later on in unresolved conflict. So th- that's where we are. And, and, uh, and today we're going to be talking about sexual intimacy. And, uh, and I want you to hear these two verses uh, to kind of lay a foundation for what we're going to talk about today because I think they're really important. The first one is in Luke 1.34. An angel has just come to Mary and told Mary, hey, you're going to have a, a baby and his name is going to be Jesus. And this is what Mary says. Uh, the Mary, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? 
What she's saying there is, how can this be? I've not had uh, sexual intercourse with a man. How, this, is, this isn't happening, okay? Uh, and and uh, then the second one is in Philippians 3.10. That I may know, and this is, this is Paul speaking, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This, the root word in both of those in the Greek is the same word. So, so it is really about knowing, it's about a deepness, it's, it's about an intimacy that, that helps us to know each other in a way that brings us together in, as one person and gives us strength. So as we, we jump into this today, that's what we're going to be talking about, it, it is sexual intimacy and the way God designed it. Sermon in the sentence is this, is that God has given us intimacy to be a powerful, unifying act in marriage. God has given us intimacy and sexual intimacy to be a powerful, unifying act in marriage. And, and if it's used as God designed it, it does exactly that. So I want to start out with a little fable, a little story that, that maybe will, will help you in this. There was a guy, and he went down to the river to a village that was there. And he just wanted to get to know the people. He sat down for lunch, and, and as he's eating lunch with some folks, he's known, he, know, he notices this 800-pound gator coming up close to them. And he says to the guy that he's eating lunch with, he says, do you see that over there? The guy says, oh, we don't talk about that. And the gator comes up, and he snatches an arm right off this guy that's there. And, 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 and he's kind of getting on He said, and the guy says, no, we don't talk about that. And, and, and then a little bit later, Gator comes back up and grabs the teenagers, takes them down to the river, and they never see him again. And he says, what are we going to do? And he says, we don't talk about that. That's not polite. Uh, that, that's rude to talk about that. And so the, the guy begins to walk around the community. And what he begins to notice as they walk around the community is there are people that have huge gashes. There are people that are missing limbs, and there are people that are crying because they've, they've lost uh, loved ones. And, and he says, well, well, how did this all happen? And they said, we don't talk about that. Whoa. And, and uh, finally, he gets somebody that will say something. He says, well, if you want to know more about it, there, there's Gator Magazine that you can look at, or you can go read about it on the, the, the bathroom walls at the truck stop, but we don't talk about it. And, you know, that's kind of been the church's attitude for a lot of years is that we don't talk about this that we're going to talk about today. And people have been wounded, people have been hurt, and there's been so many damages that, 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 that we can't even begin to count. So I hope what we talk about today will help you uh, do things God's way because I will tell you uh, that's the way it has to be done. So we're going we're gonna to be in chapter 3, and at the beginning of chapter 3, I'm just going to tell you, they're continuing to talk to each other. They are sweet-talking each other, and as we get there, their bodies are getting revved up, okay? And then we come to, to, to Song of Solomon chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Promise me, O, o women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Again, they put the brakes on. Because they realize that the time and place is not right. And, and so as we, we begin today, uh, one of the first points I want you to know is you need to go slow and be patient. Go slow and be patient. We are about to see their wedding. And they have practiced restraint. And, and they have waited. And God will bless them for that. They follow God's plan. And when you follow God's plan, there is blessing that will come. 
and they will be rewarded. I, I want to say this, is that premarital sex, and, and I know we've got a lot of college students in here, premarital sex is extremely dangerous for two reasons. Number one, number one it, it, it is that it will harm a good relationship. By that, I mean this is that when it becomes all about the passion, you don't have the important conversations that deepen a relationship that will help it stay strong later. And the other thing that the premarital sex does is it prolongs a bad relationship. Because you think there's passion, so it must be okay, but you've never really gotten to know each other and to find out that maybe that isn't the right person. You see, because sometimes passion becomes the only communication and you don't learn about one another. So premarital sex is not where you want to be. As we continue on, you're going to see a picture of a carriage come up here. This is what we're getting ready to see at the wedding. And in fact, it's talking about this carriage that Solomon had. It's his limousine. It's his Rolls Royce. It is as nice as can be. And so let's read about that in verse 7. He says, look, it's Solomon's carriage, escorted by 60 warriors, the noblest of Israel, all of them wearing the sword, all experienced in battle, each with his sword at his side, prepared for the terrors of night. There are 60 groomsmen there, okay? Uh, now, I've done some big weddings, but I've got to tell you, I've never done one with that many, and they all got swords. Now, here in Milledgeville, they might have a 357 cocked and loaded, uh, but, but, but we don't see a whole lot of swords. But, but th this is impressive. Can I tell you, I bet that, I bet, I bet that lady feels safe, don't you? With all that. So, so, so let's, uh, let's keep on reading. He said, King Solid, Solomon made for himself the carriage. He made it of wood from Lebanon. Its posts he made of silver. Its base of gold. Its seat was upholstered with purple. Its interior lovingly inlaid by the daughters of Jerusalem. Wow. Now, let me just tell you what I would tell you from this. Is you need to treat your mate as royalty. You need to treat your mate as royalty. If I could say anything, is uh, when your relationship began, early in the relationship, what are you doing? You're, you're bringing flowers, you're sending them notes, you're taking them places. You, you, you are putting on the ritz, okay, to, to impress that young person. And when we get married, what do we do? Well, I got them, we're done. Okay? Don't let that happen. Continue to treat, continue to treat your spouse as royalty. It's that simple. Because as you do that, I will make you this guarantee that if you do that, it will deepen the relationship. It will help the relationship. And so I want you to understand that. And I said this last week, and I want to say it again. If you don't tell your mate that they're special, Satan will find somebody who will. I'll make you that promise. I've seen it time and time again. As we move into the chapter... I, 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 we're going to start in chapter 4 now. And, and this man does not lay a hand on her until verse 11. As we join them in chapter 4 and verse 1, they are at the Hilton. They are on their honeymoon. And he's going slow. And he, and he is treating her with all respect. Listen to what he says there in, 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 in verse 1. He says, you are beautiful, my darling, beyond words. Beautiful beyond words. I can just say, oh, shucks. Oh, I mean, you, are, you are fine. You just can't find the right words, okay? 
But he does pretty well here. He says, your eyes are like doves behind your veil. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Okay, guys. <laughs> don't, don't say, oh, oh, your hair is like a wild animal woman. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to put this in, in, in correct context, okay? And then, then listen to what he says next. Your teeth are as white as sheep recently shorn and freshly washed you don't want no funky person on your funky breath person on your uh, on your honeymoon brush your teeth okay and, and and that's important and on top of that it says your smile is flawless and every tooth is matched with a twin I, the dentist loved that verse okay i'll just tell you and, and, and it's an important verse. And, and then he goes on, he says, your lips are like scarlet ribbon, your mouth is inviting, your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil, your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like two fawns, twin fawns of a gazelle grazing among the lilies. Wow. He's done a pretty good job. He may not have had the right words, but he's done pretty good. And then, then listen to what he says next. He says, before the dawn breezes blow and the night shadows flee. All night long is what he's saying. <laughs> Lionel Richie shows up again. Last week it was Lionel Richie and the Commodores. Now it's back to Lionel Richie. Uh, she's a brick house last week and now. Uh, so. All night long, he says, I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh. And I'll remind you about that last week, that, that, that sachet of myrrh will right there between her breast. And, and I will hurry to the mountain of myrrh and, and the hill of frankincense. You're going to have to figure out what the hill of frankincense is. I ain't telling you. You are altogether beautiful, my darling, beautiful in every way. What I would tell you here is this, treat sex as a precious gift. God created sex. God created sex to show a person that you love them, to, 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 to show them that they are appreciated, and to bring people together. You know, sometimes, I'll just tell you, sometimes we don't have words, but God has given us the ability through our, our hands and our fingertips to bring pleasure, to show appreciation, and to let somebody know that they are loved. And what a gift that is, because sometimes we just don't have the words. We just read, and, 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 and they are unwrapping the gift. She's, she is there, and he's giving the collar commentary about this, and he is praising her and honoring her. And, and it is just such an important time. And, and, and you see they're going slow. And, and guys... Guys, ladies, you don't have to listen to this, but guys, I would say this to you. Never, ever, ever say anything negative about your wife's body, okay? Because that will be damaging and it will scar them. Guys, we have so many things that we can look at. We can see the beautiful pictures that have been photoshopped and airbrushed. And if we begin to compare, it will damage in huge ways. So I'm just simply telling you to stay away from those. Stay away from porn because it won't work. I did not watch, okay? I did not watch the halftime show of the Super Bowl. Because I knew what it was going to be. And the standard that I hold every woman to was sitting right up here on the front row in the first service. 
And so I'm going to keep her as the standard and not look at the other ones. Okay? That's how it works. Job did this. This is what Job said in, in Job 30, 31.1. He says, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. And boy, I would tell you, that's the greatest covenant you can make with your eyes. Because if your eyes wander, you'll begin to compare. Let's keep on reading. It says, come with me from Lebanon, my bride. Come with me from Lebanon. Come down from Mount Amana, from the peaks of Sinar and Hermon, where the lions have their dens and the leopards live among the hills. I would tell you to make sex a safe place, to make your bedroom a safe place. He mentions Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon is over 9,000 feet tall. It often has snow on the peaks. It's often enshrouded by mist, and there are all sorts of dangerous animals there. He says, I'm bringing you to a safe place. And I think that is so important for us to realize. There was an interesting word picture. I I, I think you all caught it there. He compared his his wife's breast to two fawns. Now, I, I got to tell you, that's something I know about fawns, okay? Uh, that that, that I, I know about fawns. <laughs> okay, as so I go walking in our neighborhood at night, we see them, and this is what I know about those fawns, okay? Uh, it, it's a pretty, pretty simple thing. If they feel any danger at all, what do they do? They run. And I think that's a great picture for us is that we treat our wise guys with gentleness. And that's so important. I, want, I think everybody knows this, but we often forget it. Men and women are wired very differently. You, you, you understand that. Hollywood has portrayed all the women as having men's uh, sex drive. And, and you know what? If that was true, we would never get anything done. If all the women had men's sex drives, we wouldn't get anything done in this world, okay? I'll just tell you that. It just wouldn't work. And so, as you think about that, one writer said, men are microwaves, women are crockpots, okay? That's one way to look at it. Another writer said, well, men are about the destination, and women are about the road trip. If you use the sports analogy, men are about scoring, women are about the game. And when you understand the differences there, it will help you make the bedroom a safe place. And you will treat your wives, and you will treat your husbands with the respect and love that is needed. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. It says, you have captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage with one glance of your eyes, with a single jewel of your necklace. Your love delights me, my treasure, my bride. Your love is better than wine, your perfume more fragrant than spices. Your lips are as sweet as nectar, my bride. Wow. Can I tell you what he's saying there? He says, a woman, I'd rather spend time with you than go play softball with the guys. A woman, I'd rather spend time with you than sit in the, in, in the deer stand and, and shoot a deer. A woman, I'd rather spend time with you. Okay? He loves this woman and, and wants to be a part. Let's keep on reading. It says, honey and milk are under your tongue. Now, I just got to ask you, how does he taste what's under her tongue? (laughs) What type of kiss is that? Somebody said French. Wrong, okay. 1,800 years later, France shows up, okay. I'm just telling you, this is a Hebrew kiss, okay. This is not French kissing, so just, just understand that. And then it says, your clothes are scented like the cedars of Lebanon. 
Okay, you, you get the picture here. Uh, the, the, this is escalating. Let's keep on reading in, in verse 12. It says, you are my private garden, my treasure. You are my private garden, my treasure. Uh, another version says the way, you are a locked garden. This idea of garden, you have the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the Bible. And in Revelation 22, it talks about Eden restored. And right in the middle, you have the Song of Solomon. He says, this act of sex is a little slice of heaven. This act of sex is a little bit of a Garden of Eden. And he says, my bride, has secluded spring, a hidden fountain, your thighs shelter a paradise of pomegranate with rare spices. Henna with nard, nard and saffron, fragrant calamus and cinnamon, with all the trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes, and every other lovely spice. You are a garden fountain, a well of fresh water streaming down from Lebanon's mountains. I want you to hear this is that with sex, you need to keep it holy. This was a private garden. This was a locked garden, and it was saved for marriage. And that is so important. The word holy here, I want you to understand what holy means. It is set apart. I wash dishes at our house, and I set them apart in the cabinet to show that they're ready for use. What they have said here is that sex is holy. It is a locked garden. It is set apart to be used as God wants it to be used. And it's made holy because it's set apart for one person. I know in this room that I'm not talking to a room full of virgins. I'm not talking to people who haven't made mistakes. And so if maybe you're kind of being overwhelmed with a little bit of guilt right now, I want to take you back to, to Joel 2.25. And where it just says, God is able to restore what the locusts have eaten. If you'll go to God and reclaim your holiness, that is so very important. Let me talk just for a quickly, real quickly, about how to affair-proof your marriage. In, in Romans 13 and verse 14, this is what it says, to make no provision for the flesh. Uh, you, 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 make a, you, you make some safeguards around you. And then it, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 22, it tells us to abstain from even an appearance of evil. And so I, I've got four things that I would tell you that will help you to keep from having an affair. And I think this is so important that you hear these. First one is magnify the consequences of an affair. If you would do this, if you would just begin to write down the names of the people that would be affected... If you have an affair. And then, then you might want to put down the amount of money that's in your checking account because it's going to disappear. You, you, you might talk about how it's going to affect your work. Now, once you get that, it'll probably be a pretty good sized document. This is what I would tell you to do. Put a times mark right there and then put 10. Because what's going to happen is going to be 10 times worse than you've ever imagined if you have an affair. And with that in your mind and you keep it there, it will keep you from moving in a direction that is not healthy. The second thing I would tell you is to maintain your marriage. Much like a car, a marriage has to be maintained. Uh, open the hood, check the tires. Some things that, that I would tell you to do is every year talk about what happened in the past year and then, then talk about what you want to do in the next year. You might want to maybe read a book or, or listen to a podcast or go on a marriage retreat where you can deepen your relationship. And, and I tell you what, if you maintain your marriage just like your car, if you maintain it, it will last. 
The next thing that I will tell you is, we've already talked about this, is to get rid of the foxes. The foxes would come and eat the blossoms off of the, uh, off of the vineyard, and when they ate the blossoms off, there was no fruit, and it became worthless. Find those foxes. Money and sex are the two biggest things that we deal with in marriage when there are problems. There are all sorts of other things too, but those are most likely to be the things. So if you take care of those. And, and number four is minimize the opportunities. Have rules about what you will and won't do. My rules are I'm not going to get in a, in a car alone with a, with a female that's not my wife. I'm not going to sit down to have a meal alone with a female that's not my wife. I, you know, sometimes they make fun of me on staff because I'm not a big hugger. I just don't want to give any opportunities for somebody to misread anything. I don't even like to be on an elevator with a single young lady. If I'm at the hospital and a single young lady gets on, I try to get off if I can without being too obvious because I am just scared. I know what's in me. And I don't want to give any opportunity for that to happen. So, keep it holy. Keep it holy. And then, then let's look at 4.16. All through this, they say, don't awaken or arouse love. Okay, you got that. That's been said twice. They put the brakes on. I want you to, to, to read what it says now. Awake. She's saying, come and get it, big boy. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what she's saying. Awake, north wind. Rise up, south wind. The north wind was the strong wind. The, the south wind was the gentle wind. She wants him strong and gentle. Blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love, and taste its finest. Enjoy the precious gift that God has given you. Enjoy the precious gift that God has given you. Sex is about pleasure. Sex is about relaxation. Sex is about enjoyment. Sex is about showing love at a deeper level. And God has given it to us to express love in the very deepest way. This idea of intimacy, of getting to know somebody in a better way. Guys, let me just tell you. Women need gentleness. Women, guys need response. And it's that simple. This is the way that I've heard it said. Guys use romance to get sex, and women use sex to get romance. And so if you understand that, that, that will give you some of the keys uh, to, to, to having what I would say is a hot and holy sex life. Guys, I get to talk to you again. We typically have much wider perimeters, uh, parameters about what happened in the bed. And, and this is what I get often asked as a, as a pastor doing premarital counseling. Well, what's legal, preacher? Okay, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I say, well, you've got you to read God's word. And, then, and they say, well, what if it doesn't say anything about it? And then I say, you ask your wife, because if it's demeaning to her or make her uncomfortable, it's off limits. Okay? Because she is the standard. She is the one. So, so I tell you that, and, uh, and, and I want you to understand that. Talk to your wife, and that's a big part of having great sex is communicating. Let's keep on reading. In, in chapter 5 and verse 1, this is what it says. I have entered my garden, my treasure, my bride. I gather myrrh with my spices, and I eat honeycomb with my honey. And I eat honeycomb with my honey. I drink wine with my milk. My, 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 my. Six times. I don't know if you realize what's happening here, but they are becoming one. And what you feel in that act is power. 
And I would simply tell you to feel the power of God if you use sex as he has designed it. There is a power of two people becoming one. And I will tell you that that same thing is true when you become intimate with God, when you get to know Him, is that you become one with His Son in the church, and there is a power that can't be stopped. And if this is done correctly, can I tell you what? You release God's power in your life. We started with the, uh, with the sermon and the sentence, intimacy is to be a powerful, unifying act in marriage. Let's, let's read... Uh, Verse 5, the second part of verse 1. Some will attribute this to this kind of chorus that's in, in the book of Song of Solomon, but some will also attribute this to God. I attribute it to God. He says, O lover and beloved, eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. Boy, God's saying... God's saying there, I want you to enjoy this. So, this is what I would tell you, that one last blanks to fill in. Intimacy with God and our spouse is the ultimate goal. Intimacy with God and our spouse is the ultimate goal. And I will tell you what, when you're intimate with God, when you know Him, it will help you be intimate with your spouse. I, 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 I have said this here before. And I will tell you this, um, the best sex that I've ever had is with my wife. The reason for that is that's the only sex. We've been married for 43 years, and because I believe that we've done it God's way, things have gotten better. So I tell you that from experience, and, and I tell you that this is the most fun preaching because I get to practice what I preach, okay? And, 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 and that's hugely important. So... I was trying to figure out how to end this sermon, <laughs> and there, there, is this, um, there is this verse in James 20, 22, and this is what it says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Let me add a, 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 another little thing. Don't merely listen to the word, do what it says, if you're married, okay? Okay, you, you got to have that in there, and I tell you what, if you do it God's way, you will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word, and we're so thankful that your word actually speaks to us about things that, that will make us uncomfortable. And Father, we're thankful that you didn't give us sex and tell us how to figure it out, but you've actually shown us in this book. And Father, I pray for those in this room that maybe have messed up along the way. I pray that they can claim Joel 2.25 and that they can reclaim their holiness, they can reclaim their virginity, and that, Father, that they can be made whole again through this. And, Father, I pray for every single person in this room today uh, that, that they will enjoy what you've given them and that it will be an important part of their lives. Uh, Father, again, we thank you because you made us in such a way that, that, that through all sorts of things we can bring honor to you. We just thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.